Welcome to another alignment discussion podcast of Conscious Creators. I'm Asher Gray. I'm your host. I'll be sitting in with you for about the next 45 minutes to an hour. Um, a little bit about our process. A conscious creator's purpose is to fulfill fundamental human needs and guide others who have a desire and willingness to do the same. Our fundamental needs are, number one, the need to physically feel especially authentic human emotion. Number two, the need to share a sustained feeling of affinity with others. Number three, the need to relate and collaborate in ways that bring mutual fulfillment. Number four, the need to be free from the fear of imagined danger or threat. Number five, the need to share or exchange thoughts, feelings, and desires with others. Number six, the need to share a sincere and authentic connection with others. Number seven, the need to engage in careful thought with consideration of spiritual insight. Number eight, the need to develop gradually towards a more desired aim or state of being. And number nine, the need to bring something new into existence through deliberate and inspired action. After achieving physical sobriety, many people find that their established habit patterns diminish their quality of recovery and increase their chances of relapse. To sustain conscious contact with spiritual consciousness, recovering addicts need to become responsible for the mental effects of their undermining habit patterns. Our process is outlined in the following set of measures. Number one, we recognize those habit patterns which undermine our purpose. Number two, we begin to cultivate a curious and receptive mind. Number three, we accept the possibility of new, life-affirming experiences. Number four, we gain awareness of our self-defeating habit patterns. Number five, we acknowledge the true nature of our self-defeating habit patterns. Number six, we bring our perspective into alignment with a greater power than self. Number seven, we commit to acting upon the insights of a conscious and creative mind. Number eight, we create space for new experiences by releasing what no longer serves us. And number nine, we consciously create new life-affirming experiences that fulfill our fundamental needs. We practice meditative mantras to help the trauma-affected mind become open to new, life-affirming possibilities. Our spiritual practice mitigates the effects of self-defeating habit patterns, much like chemotherapy can shrink tumors or medication can make a virus undetectable. Our mantras help us to reconnect with a greater power than self gradually over time. This helps many to overcome our intellectual resistance through a direct personal experience. Conscious Creators meets regularly to cultivate a community that's based upon mutual fulfillment. We come together in a sincere and intentional space with a singleness of purpose that might otherwise be unavailable. Our anonymous discussions are uploaded to our podcast and uh, portions of our discussions may be included in the final edition of our upcoming book. Alignment discussion podcasts are 
every Thursday at 11 a.m. at Pathfinders Club, which is located at 3367 Glendale Boulevard. Way of the Conscious Creator is written by the Creative Collective Alliance. You can find us on um, Instagram at ConsciousCreators underscore LA or visit our website at www.consciouscreators.la. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, our email is addressingthecause at gmail.com. A D D R E S S I N G the cause at gmail.com. Awesome. So we got all that out of the way. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to dive into. We're, I'm reading some more of the, the final material from the upcoming book. And today, we're going to go dive right into that. So today, we're starting off with, um, I think this is the third um, installment of The Unconscious Creator. We've done two already. And this one kicks off. We stopped last Thursday with Brad doing... Um, trauma's role and we're going to just dive right into source points which is the next section after trauma's role source points trauma trauma may be tra sorry trauma may be physical emotional mental or a combination quite often traumatic experiences cause us to either dissociate or react with strong emotions such as anger when this occurs we go unconscious not physically but mentally and emotionally Alone and confused, we try to make sense of something beyond our capacity to reason. In the absence of objective truth, we create our own meaning. We fabricate ideas and form emotional attachments to those ideas. Some of our more limiting ideas about the world and ourselves are born in such moments. We call these source point moments. Quite often, there is not one moment, rather there is a series of moments. For example, one of our members had been a marathon runner in her 20s when she entered into a relationship and became pregnant unexpectedly. Her shame about the pregnancy caused her to isolate from friends and family. Caused her to isolate from friends and family. One night, she was sitting in the middle of the couch, eyes glued to the TV, watching the Berlin, eyes glued to the TV, comma, watching the fall of the Berlin Wall. Uh, suddenly, her partner became, became enraged. He stormed across the room and began punching holes in the wall. He punched four holes all the way around her head. She dissociated. As she came to, he was dragging her onto the front porch and was starting to kick her down the stairs. She grabbed onto the railing while he repeatedly kicked the base of her spine. A car pulled up and the headlights illuminated them. <clears throat> As one of his friends got out of the car, he stopped kicking her. He and the friend went inside, slamming the door behind them. This was followed by a series of situations when he would pick her up and throw her across the room. After one of these isolated and unsupported source point moments, she made a decision that the only way to protect herself would be to make herself heavy enough that he could no longer pick her up. So she started eating junk food with this goal in mind. 
During the next two years, she gained over 150 pounds. In that source point moment, this was the best short-term solution she could come up with. Of course, it had long-term ramifications. Now, 30 years later, she struggles to walk around the block. So, and this is a great example if you really sit back and think about it. So, in and it's beautiful. It says, so in, after one of these isolated and unsupported source point moments, which means that she is alone with the person who is uh, inflicting trauma, there's no one um, there to observe her, to help her, to help her get back into her body, to see things objectively, to kind of um, um, help her move through these this series of situations. So, and in this like spiritually disconnected and socially isolated situation, we make very rash decisions and these decisions have long-term implications. So in this particular one, she decided to start eating junk food for, you know, the next, you know, three years and gained a bunch of weight. But she could have very easily said, you know what? She makes the decision that um, any person that has a voice in her range is threatening. And if she ever hears a voice that sounds like that guy's voice again, she'll freeze up or she'll dissociate and she'll run for the hills. And so for the rest of her life, uh, she interacts with men and they even have a tinge of that um, same pitch in their voice. And it causes her to have irrational reactions. Some of them happen to be their friend, her friends. Some of them happen to be her lovers. Some of them happen to be employers or bosses. And it affects all of these relationships because the minute she gets triggered into this like trauma response, she dissociates and she's living in this survival pattern and she's incapable of seeing these people objectively anymore. She's seeing these people through the lens of this prior trauma. And so we all do this. So we all experience a moment like she did, and we make a decision based on that in those moments, those unsupported, spiritually disconnected moments, and we create a pattern. And these patterns are often patterns that don't really serve us. Getting, that's a perfect segue into where we're going next. So habit patterns. A reactive mind is a fearful mind that tends to brace up against threats and shrink back from unfamiliar experiences. Out of a need for order and certainty, a fearful mind becomes obsessed with control. Fear and control twists our God-given desires into habitual patterns of obsession and compulsion. So, you know... It's showing you right there that there's a, you know, first the mind is reactive. So whenever a mind is reactive, as opposed to open or receptive or curious, when a mind's reactive, it's experiencing fear. It's experiencing some sort of unknown, unpredictable, unrecognizable thing. And, and the mind is not able to perceive such experiences as opportunities there's if the mind is becoming reactive and experiencing <clears throat> such moments as threats okay geez my throat is so crazy i go through and i do a lot of this work and my, my throat's gotten a lot better than it used to be but it's almost like there's this little demon guy inside of me that just does not like 
um, exposing all this stuff. It's like kind of, it's putting the devil on blast and kind of showing the inner workings of how that whole side of the God spectrum works from, you know, the dark side. Um, all right. So in this need for control, so a, a human, a reactive mind is a mind that's fearful and a fearful mind is a mind that needs control. There's a need for control that whether that need for control comes through the need to predict an outcome, to isolate ourselves from the uncertainty of some sort of uh, experience, we, we need control. And for most people, the need for control is for some sort of external experience or person to control us. A fear, most fearful people want to be dominated and controlled and want to somehow become victims of a situation, whether it's the mysterious they that's causing them harm. Um, it's the banking elite. It's the, you know, there's a million things conspiring against these people, but there's some sort of external foe that's controlling them and dominating their actions and making it impossible for them to, you know, uh, live as they'd want to. And so, and then for a small minority, those other people that are in fear, they need to dominate and control everybody else. They need to stockpile weapons. They need to sue everybody. They need to do all these things to dominate everyone around them. They, their fearful mind compels them to control everything around them or you know, to try to control everything around them. So what happens to a mind that's fearful like this and this perpetual need, need for control? Well, it's an anxious mind, and an anxious mind tends to be uh, manic depressive as well. So the more that we attempt to control, the more miserable we tend to become. You know, and so a lot of people can experience that within the context of like maybe a relationship where in the beginning it was really great. We had this romantic relationship and there was this great influx of energy and both both people felt really vitalized and energized and alive. And they're like just felt in the magic of that, you know, the early stages of that relationship. And then. What happens? Those two individuals start to merge, but they disconnect from their source of energy. And then the energy becomes finite. And then at that point, they start to fight over that energy. And that's where all the ego, ego conflicts come up. So, And then trying to control one another and do these little relationship dramas or these control dramas, you know, each member becomes miserable. And then they go through a long separation, a prolonged divorce you know, all kinds of legal battles, all that stuff. Think about how miserable they became. Think about that joyous, happy union when they came together and they're both like on operating tables fighting for life in the divorce courts, you know, a few years later. So, um, and that's specifically what we mean by that. So under these kind, under these kinds of conditions, uh, yeah, I'm still recording good. Under these kind of conditions, we do, um, we shut ourselves off from spiritual love and truth. Okay, so our need for control causes us to create these predictable routines. We do the same thing day after day. This lack of newness causes endorphin, serotonin, and dopamine levels to plummet. So our addiction to certainty and predictability creates depression because we don't have any newness in our lives. There's no newness that we're interacting with on a daily basis. We're not, um, 
having a relationship with the unknown and the unfamiliar, which means that we're also not tapped into our own evolutionary process individually and collectively. So, you know, the collective human organism is always moving forward and evolving its consciousness. So we are participating members of that human organism, and we are also evolving our own individual consciousness. And so our consciousness, our self-consciousness, the human consciousness is evolving, actively evolving by having some sort of a relationship with what we call the consciousness of being or spiritual consciousness, that essence within each one of us that's connected to God consciousness or spiritual love and truth. And if we're completely uh, turned away from that spiritual consciousness, well, then we, we, we don't have access to spiritual insights. We're not able to update our own consciousness and it becomes stagnant and it becomes uh, a liability. We become, um, um, we become stagnant and we, we um, uh, it's like a puddle on the side of the road. There's no flow for the water. So it starts to build up pestilence and all sorts of bacteria. And it, that's what happens with us when we don't have access to spiritual energy. So, And so then we're in a constant need for some, we're in a perpetual state of need for some sort of distraction or relief because we're incomplete and we don't have enough energy and we run around trying to steal energy from other people or borrow energy from coffee and credit cards. Um, For example, that's, 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 uh, we're all, we don't have enough of what we need. And so we're constantly, um, you know, depleting natural resources and squandering our own potential hunting for energy because we don't have access to our own internal source of spiritual energy. Okay, so as life continues, we learn to fear all sorts of things. Yes, we fear being hurt or killed, but more often, it's the threat of embarrassment, domination, or rejection that keeps us constrained. Before we know it, fear has had its way with us. We abandon our joyous nature and begin to suffer through the human condition. So what is this human condition? So if we are spiritual beings having a human experience and we are spiritual beings who are made from love, like we are love and that's what we are. And then we as spiritual beings that are created of love, that are love, we are spiritual beings that are love that descend into matter and be, take on a physical body and then become imprisoned by the body and imprisoned by the fear and the instinct mind of that physical body, we are expressions of love, our expressions of our spiritual nature. Well, they become conditioned. They become conditional. They become based on our need to control and predict and dominate and, you know, survive and to avoid and all these things that now we're engaged in because we have consume the forbidden fruit of unconsciousness and our eyes are now open to our human vulnerability. And so in that vulnerability and our awareness of that, we cannot love as freely as we need to, we, or as we otherwise would, if we weren't encumbered by this meat car of a body and all these other people who are walking around, um, bumping into each other, hurting each other. So a spiritual being, a spiritual consciousness becomes entrapped and and imprisoned within this human uh, physical matter and descends further and further and further into that physical matter. 
And so that's when he, that, that is the human condition. So, so we endure traumatic and neglectful experiences. And in response to those experiences, as so eloquently stated in the previous example of the source point moment with the lady who was the marathon runner, we create ha habit patterns in response to those experiences. So she was traumatized and she created habit patterns of eating junk food to put on weight so she couldn't be thrown across a room anymore. So in other words, we create survival patterns to help us avoid unwanted feelings and circumstances that we are unwilling to ever experience again. So in the example, she was unwilling to be thrown th across the room anymore. That made her feel completely out of control and crazy. And sh the feelings and the emotions and the physical threat and danger of someone picking her up and throwing her, she was just unwilling to ever experience that again. So she put on 200 pounds. So no one could throw her again. So now she's achieved her goal. No one can throw her again, but she can't walk and she's disabled. So, and we do that with our own belief systems. We become similarly disabled and constrain our own movements and our own ability to create and experience life based on our beliefs and the decisions we made that were a reaction to similar source point moments. Soyth points moments. Soyth point moments. All right. Survival patterns become habitual. All right. A, pat a habit pattern is a behavior, a, a trait, or a characteristic acquired through frequent repetition or physio or psychological exposure. Okay. So we're either saying it over and over again or doing it over and over again, or someone is, it, we're, we're being exposed to people, what's just parents or caretakers, and we're being exposed to them. So we're watching our parents check out on cell phones for five or 10 years, and they don't have any time to play with us. And so we create a pattern of dissociating on cell phones because we're, that's what we're watching. That's what we're exposed to. So that's what we become. It's the monkey see, monkey do principle. So we can identify three basic types of habit patterns. There's a mental or thought pattern, emotional or feeling pattern, and a physical or action pattern. All habit patterns originate in the mind. Most elicit emotional or physical responses, which means there's some sort of external impulse that other people can observe, whether it's an emotional outburst or it's someone getting angry or running away or, um, you know, some people, you know, the habit patterns, the reaction, they keep it all internal. They, um, you know, I happen to know the person in the previous example. And so her um, reactions, her emotional and physical responses, she has them clamped down. She's, you know, she keeps them all inside until literally you can go by and just kind of poke her one day and all these tears come out of her because she's never released any of it. It's all just sitting there festering. All right. So example, like resentments often have an emotion attached to them. So the word resentment is derived from a French word meaning to feel again. So if you've ever had like a burning resentment for someone, let's say there's this person you've been dating or working for, and all of a sudden you're like, you can't stand that person. You have this burning resentment, but that feeling that you have towards that person is very familiar to someone maybe three years before that or six years before that, or your aunt, your uncle, and your stepdad growing up, because those people also made, you you made yourself feel a similar way in their presence. So once again, it needs to be uh, noted that we make ourselves feel a specific way because we get triggered into that mindset. These people aren't making us do anything. 
our aunt or uncle is not like walking up to us with a gun today and saying, you better start feeling shame or anxiety or regret or rage, or I'm going to shoot you in the head. No, they're not saying that. We are making ourselves feel these emotions. Habit patterns underlie an unconscious creator's attitude and outlook. These patterns may have served a purpose at one point, but today they usually undermine our ability to realize our desired purpose. Okay, so it's essential that we recognize that we recognize those habit patterns that keep us enslaved, keep us enslaved in instinctual fear, in instinctual, keep us enslaved by instinctual fear. When we recognize a habit pattern, we identify it from having encountered it before. So that's all this first measure is going to be about. It's like, okay, cool. Here's a list of 21 survival patterns that keep us in fear and keep us needing control. These habit patterns are basic patterns of behavior that most all of us have indulged in, and they're under, they're, they undermine our ability to live our purpose. So we cannot fulfill our fundamental needs and continue to indulge in these survival patterns. So we're going to present a group of patterns and you having indulged in these patterns throughout your whole life are going to go, oh yeah, I've encountered that before. Yeah, I've had unrealistic expectations of myself and others. Oh yeah, I've been ungrateful and entitled. I've pushed away opportunities for love. I've medicated or I've regulated my emotions with drugs and alcohol or other addictive mechanisms. I've created insecure and unhealthy attachments to people, places, and things. I've reacted with anger and fear. I've done all these things. So I'm recognizing them because I've encountered them before. So that's all we're doing here. Of course, we have encountered our habit patterns quite often indeed. In many cases, we have mistaken these patterns as being who we are rather than behaviors that we indulge in. I'm going to change that. Who we are, rather than patterns of behavior that we indulge in. Indulge in. That's pretty important fix that. So let me reread that to you. Okay. In many cases, we have mistaken these patterns as being who we are. And I'm going to italicize that. Who we are. Rather than patterns of behavior that we indulge in. So these are just patterns of behavior, right? In fact, just saying that they're patterns of behavior, we don't even need to say indulge in. So we think that these patterns are who we are. And so, and we're going to get into that in the later measures because there is a part of us that it, these patterns of behavior literally are who we are, but we're not there yet. When we recognize our habit patterns, when we recognize our, when we recognize habit patterns, we take the first step in acknowledging, take the first step. We take the first step in I'm gonna, when we recognize habit patterns, we take the first step in liberating ourselves from instinct mode. 
Because right now we're just always fearful and we don't know why because life, we're just interacting with life and we're going through and we're interacting with all the people in our lives and the situations and the jobs and the online stuff. And things are constantly like triggering us. They're pushing our buttons. They're activating these survival patterns and they're keeping us in this inauthentic persona or this unconscious character that we um, get triggered into. And that keeps us in instinct mode. And so when we're in instinct mode trying to survive, it's very hard to just thrive and to live authentically and openly and vulnerably. It just doesn't, that doesn't, those two ex realities don't coincide. Yeah, we're doing on time. All right, I got a couple more minutes. All right, so everybody yourselves from instinct mode. Stepping out of denial. So like, these patterns didn't appear overnight. In fact, they manifested slowly over years, even decades. This means that we could have very well fallen into apathy about the whole situation, resigning ourselves by accepting our self-defeating habit patterns as being who we are. We may have manifested a sort of it is what it is attitude. These undermining habit patterns most certainly are what they are, but you are no more these patterns than a dog is its own tricks. So the dog's taught some tricks, but the tricks aren't the dog. So a human's been teaching themselves or programming themselves with these habit patterns, but they are not these habit patterns unless they choose to continue to define themselves by them. Um, so the truth is that we have been living in denial of denial of our role as the primary creators of unnecessary suffering of our own, of our own and other people's people's uh, unnecessary suffering. This self-inflicted suffering is passive in nature. We have been denial, been in denial because these patterns have very much woven themselves right into the fabric of our identity. They are our creation. Our undermining habit patterns use energy and creativity to stay active, to remain alive. They do not want to let go. They do not want to die. In a very real sense, we don't know who we would be without them. When we use our energy to indulge in when we use our energy to indulge, to indulge in a habit pattern, we lack, we lack created the creative bandwidth to do something else. So when we, you know, commit our energy to indulging in one of these habit patterns and, you know, you know, acting in this certain way, we lose the creative bandwidth. So we lose the creative bandwidth the creative bandwidth to do something else. Something new, else, something else, something new, something truly, something else, something new, something truly desired, truly desired, desired. So yeah, um, these habit patterns were born from decisions that you made a long time ago. Most likely, you were a half-formed child at the time. You were a half-formed child at the time. Your ill-formed Ill decisions created these limiting patterns. Created these limiting patterns. These coping mechanisms in the form of habit patterns were the best that you could come up with at the time. That was a long time ago. Circumstances are different now. 
you are different. So that was a long time ago. Circumstances are different now. You are different now. This needs to be recognized. In other words, it's time to get current with yourself. It's time to get real. Otherwise, you will continue to live in instinctual fear, disconnected from creative possibility, the creative possibilities of, and disconnected fear, disconnected from creative possibility. The absence of spiritual power, this absence of spiritual power will make it nearly impossible to recognize or embrace opportunities for growth and expansion. These undermining habit patterns keep us addicted. They render us unable to receive love from others. They keep us in cycles of, they keep us in cycles of undue frustration and suffering. Most importantly, they keep us living inauthentically. In a very real sense, we are denying our true nature. Our authentic higher self cannot express itself through these inauthentic habit patterns built out of fear and previous traumas. Can you see this? It's important to recognize what's been done. We are possessed by habit patterns that deny our authentic self the spiritual power that is our birthright. Recognizing these facts helps us to step out of denial. When we recognize these habit patterns, we begin to accept the reality of our situation. We admit the truth. We admit the truth back inside of our heart and inside of our mind. We have had to deny this truth to live an inauthentic lie. Only by recognizing this lie can we begin to create authentic experiences aligned with our spiritual purpose. We have included Asher's personal experience throughout this process. Please make use of his offerings. His hard-fought experience will help you to forge your own path. And that's it for today, guys. So, do I have any closing thoughts on that? No, that was great. So, <clears throat> yeah, I think we're just going to keep moving through the book in sections. Tomorrow or next, next time we're going to do... Yeah, I guess we'll do my experience in step one or in the first measure. <clears throat> yeah, it's really all I got for today. Thanks so much for listening and uh, have a great rest of your day.